us. And the last few weeks, we've been uh, talking about the Psalms and the Sunday School and different things. And uh, it's so I'm uh, drawn to the Psalms. And we are in Psalm 92 this morning. And um, the, the idea is the necessity for us to give praise to God, that we are to thank God and to praise him. Now, we say, well, sometimes I don't feel like it. Well, that's the whole point. <laughs> Praising God is putting things in perspective that somehow we're believing that God will work the present situation out to the way that it should be. And so in our praise, we're like uh, stating our belief and our understanding of how great God is, how great is our God. You know, uh, how great God is in our life. And so when we start thanking him and we, we praise him for who he is. Now, not necessarily, it's, like, it's not like, a, you know, if I give him so many praises, he'll, he'll, he'll fix things for me. <laughs> no. Uh, we'll get into that here as we go through the psalm. But we'll begin with Psalm 92, verse 1. And I'll, we're going to do a verse by verse, and hopefully I'll get done in an hour and a half. And... Uh, didn't hear any amens on that one. So, <laughs> uh, so we're going to look at Psalm 92, verse 1. And this, this is a psalm for the Sabbath day. One of the things in, in this psalm, this is the only psalm in the entire book of Psalms that is dedicated for the Sabbath day. So, and of course, the Sabbath day at the, at the time of Israel was their, their day of worship, their day of going to the temple, the day of honoring God. So, it is good to praise the Lord, verse 1. It is good to praise the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High. So, whenever we are looking at this, we begin by focusing uh, that it is important for us to praise God, to say, thank you, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill among men. Oh, that's Christmas, right? But it's still the idea of giving God grace, giving God praise, so the Sabbath then is Sunday for us, and it is a time in which we, we don't set apart the whole day. Now, I remember when I was a kid, Sunday, you, you couldn't even play baseball. <laughs> you know, you weren't allowed to play. Basically, you just had to go home and sit and wait for the relatives to leave, <laughs> you know, because they always came. And uh, then go do the chores. <laughs> uh, so it was one of the things, and then go to church. So it was like, you, you got up in the morning, did the chores, you know, took your bath, get showered, cleaned up, run to church, come back from church, visit all the people that showed up in the driveway for lunch, the relatives, and after they leave, you get all, get your barn clothes on, go back out to take care of the livestock, get all cleaned up, go back to church. That was Sunday. So, um, <laughs> and Wednesday. Uh, so it was one of those things. We, we didn't live near the church. We lived about half hour, so we had to drive almost a half hour to get to church, and somehow we never missed it. I didn't understand that. But anyhow, Sunday then, we've kind of formed Sunday into a, an hour or two in which we dedicate ourselves to spending time with God, hearing the word, worshiping and praying. And some of us even are able to go on Saturdays. Now, we don't have enough for Saturday night service. Um, and if I did, I'm sure Rhonda and I would show up. But, <laughs> but uh, Saturday, we do, we have, we have enough to fill up our Sunday morning congregation on Sunday. Amen. Yeah, fill it up. So, 
So the psalmist is saying it is a day to apply ourselves to the adoration of God. Basically saying we set aside time to adore God, to be thankful to God. And we need to remind ourselves, and you know, some, some people think this church is a shot in the arm for the week ahead. It's just an encouragement moment, encouraging time to get ourselves, get ourselves refocused. But the Lord has a right to have a time that is set for him. It is a time to find rest in God. For you see, whenever we focus on God, God is a God of peace. God is, he is, he is a, a, a God of patience, mercy, kindness, forgiveness. You know, the list goes on. And so whenever we focus on who God is and what he is offering to us, it's a time to take a deep breath and allow the freshness of the Holy Spirit to uh, once again be upon our hearts and lives. To give thanks to God is small return for the greatness that he has provided for us. So the word and the Holy Spirit declare it is good to give a good thing to praise the Lord. We must not despise it. We must not neglect it. Last week we studied in Sunday school in Psalm 147. It said, Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God, for it is pleasant and praise is beautiful. I didn't give that to you, Terry, so I'm sorry. <laughs> but it says, praise is beautiful. And the definition is, our praise is good-looking. Uh, praise is beautiful to God. So it isn't always just trying to, okay, see God in all this, and where is God's, what's God look like? God is looking at us, and okay, how are you receiving what's coming from you of what I have done for you? Of all the greatness and all the goodness that I have provided, what's coming? So praise and our thanksgiving and our songs that we sing, they're beautiful to God. The, the also, in other places, it calls them a sweet-smelling fragrance ascending to heaven. So our praise is very much part of what God expects from us for what we have received from him. Verse 2. To proclaim your loving devotion in the morning and your faithfulness at night. So the psalmist is, psalmist is declaring that uh, the day or our day should begin with praise. Now, most of the time we are looking at our schedules or we're looking at what needs to be done today. Or we know we go to work and we end up at the same old place doing the same old thing every day. But... We begin by praising God, and it's an expectation of what God is going to do in our life that day. So it isn't setting ourselves up for the same old thing. It is allowing God to speak to our hearts and minds, and we are praising him at the very beginning of our day. Sometimes, um, somewhere in here I have the idea of what song do you like? What song do you like to hear over, you know, the song that goes in your head. Well, I'm not, I'm not asking you to sing it. I'm just asking you to find one, <laughs> okay, in your head. Which one, you know, if you, which one came in? So that is, your, that is kind of a song that speaks to you about who God is and what God has done for you. And so as we sing that song, it's, it's, can, it can be developed or brought into our praise of God. Even though we don't sing it, you know, 
I, like I said, I always sang to the, I could harmonize with a diesel engine, you know, on the tractor. <laughs> and uh, so that was what I did sometimes, you know, out in the field. And so it was praising God and thanking God for his goodness. So our, he is, in the morning, we are giving praise to God. And um, it gives us a focus. Because there's sometimes, uh, you know, when I was at the hospital and working in the church and all those types of things, the, the schedule was full. There was all these things going on during the day. There was evening, evening activities. There was, you know, running and going. And it was, just, it was just constant. And so you had this, and so you had to focus on really what's most important. What's most important is our relationship with God and our praise to him and thanking that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And he says, so in the morning, you're faithful. You, you, are, you are proclaiming your faithfulness. And at night, at night, whether it's uh, cloudy or clear, moonlight or dark, calm or stormy, it is all the same to God. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds, their deeds are evil, as if God can't see. You know, so uh, it's like the one lady... Um, Poor guy, I don't want to pick on ladies today. But uh, the one, one person prayed, says, God, I've been carrying this burden and worrying about it all day. I need some sleep. So I give it to you. You're staying up all night. You take it. I'm going to bed. <laughs> okay, God's good. All right, so we'll move on. So we need a suitable song for the faithfulness of God. Well, and we look at that song, and it plays over and over again in our head. Psalm 92, verse 3. I thought this was interesting. It says that with the ten-stringed harp and the melody of the lyre, the lyre, excuse me, one commentator stated that this is the musical interlude. You know, like we're playing through the song, and then you don't sing the next chorus. The instrument plays through. And in the instrument playing through, what are you doing? You are focusing and worshiping God in your thoughts without the words of the song. And so in our minds, we can be humming a tune and thinking of the goodness of God, thinking of God's goodness and relationship with us. You know, I like the uh, Shout to the Lord lyrics, and I just found out they are kind of old. I thought it was maybe, thir I saw 13 years on the, on a, on a, song list on the YouTube, but I guess it's longer than that. But as we look at this, just a few verses of it, and some of what we read in this psalm is in this particular song. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. Okay. So praise is recognizing who God is and understanding that there is none like him. So when the, whenever the songs portray something that is meaningful to our, our experience. Amazing grace. You know, um, a mighty fortress is our God. I know those are all hymnals, out of the hymnal, but they're old songs that were, were part of our, maybe some, our youth, my youth, but, or choruses that come. He has made me glad. That was a, one years ago. But anyhow, the song says something to us spiritually. And so we take the time to think about the lyrics, play the lyrics on, on YouTube, 
and sing them. All of, my, all of my days I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. My comfort, my shelter, tower of refuge and strength, let every breath, all that I am, never cease to worship you. Shout to the Lord all the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty and praise to the king. Mountains bow down, and the sea will roar at the sound of your name. <laughs> at the very sound of the name of Jesus, <laughs> the mountains can crumble and the seas will roar. We find where Jesus is on the Sea of Galilee and he's walking at night and the disciples, they're in the boat and they're thinking they're going to drown. The boat's going to tip over and Jesus comes walking <laughs> on the water, and Peter says, if it's you, Jesus, let me come. And Peter gets out of the boat. <laughs> you know, there's a whole sermon there in that one, and uh, I remember one part of that sermon is all of the guys in the boat are saying, Peter, don't rock the boat. <laughs> Stay in the boat, Peter. Don't, don't put yourself in trouble again. There's always somebody who's going to rock the boat. You know, get out of the boat and try and walk on water. You know, Peter, don't rock the boat. Well, the idea is you have to get out of the boat in order to walk on water. And even though Peter sank, <laughs> he's still the only one who walked on water besides Jesus. Unless you're, <laughs> what was it? Unless you're walking on ice. Okay, but it's a different story. Uh, but the idea is that the, 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 the power of his name, the name of Jesus, Jesus himself says, peace be still, <laughs> storms are calmed. So when we look at this, we're, we're, attaching, we're attaching the stories of the scripture. The stories of the scripture speak to us. So it's, it's not uncommon for us to have a favorite story in the scripture. Some it's Jonah, <laughs> some it's Daniel. You know, some it's the three Hebrew children. You know, maybe, maybe it's crossing the Red Sea. Or, you know, what, what, it's a, a magnificent time in which God demonstrates his power. These are not just stories. These are, this is the power of God at work in, in the nation of Israel. And so the same God who opened the Red Sea for the children of Israel is the same God who is working with us and helping us to open the seas that we are involved, that we must cross. I sing for joy at the work of your hands. Forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise. We give thanks for the promise. <laughs> you know, <laughs> sometimes we, well, let's, I'll give thanks whenever it's all complete. No, faith tells me God is, it's, God, it's impossible for God to fail. So therefore, how is God going to work this out? What promises has he placed in our heart? And so nothing compares to the promise I have in you. My Jesus, my Savior, my Savior. Huh. Did you know if God does not do a work in us first in our life, we will never see the work that God is doing all around us. Because we are not conscious of God's spirit and God's working. So there must be a work in us that opens up our hearts and minds, our spiritual life, to be attentive to what God is doing in our lives. And all, all around us, God is doing things. All around us, God is at work performing miracles. And we see God's creation everywhere. And all of these things are road signs telling us, this way, 
This way is heaven. This way is, is praise to God. And, and we're right, the, the fool and it says in his heart there is no God. He doesn't, he doesn't, he can't read the sign. But when our heart has been opened by the Spirit, we suddenly sense and see, wow, God is here. God is here. You know, when this happened, God was there. Verse 7, verse 6. The senseless man does not know, and the fool does not understand. The fool has said in his heart, there are no signs. <laughs> There's no God. I don't see God anywhere. No. Let him touch your heart. Verse 7. And though the wicked sprout like grass. <laughs> though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they will be forever destroyed. <laughs> Thine enemies shall perish. It would appear that the great prosperity is the frequent forerunner of the destruction to the wicked. <laughs> that the prosperity of the wicked just sets them up for the failure because of the hardness of their heart to the things of God. The hardness of their heart to the things of God sets them up for failure. It's like Pharaoh with, with, with um, Moses coming in and the plagues. I mean, what greater sign could there be to, to a, a Pharaoh and a leader that these plagues that... God brought upon the Egyptians, and what does Pharaoh do? Nothing. <laughs> he only placates the situation and says, well, we'll yeah, we, I'll let you go. Stop the plagues. Stop this. Stop. No. <laughs> and then he changed his mind. <laughs> How about Haman in the, whenever he went, Haman the hangman. <laughs> who wants to kill all the Jews, gets himself next to the king and second in command of the Medo-Persian Empire, and, and he ends up, he builds a gallow for Mordecai, to, and, and he's going to kill him because he's a Jew and he won't bow down. Well, Mordecai hates, and he's one of those guys who sprouts up like grass, but he ends up being hung on his own gallows. You see, thine enemies... They will be forever destroyed. Evil cannot last. Evil cannot continue. Evil will find its destruction. And we find in verse 8, this is the pivotal verse of this, of this, of this psalm. But you, O Lord, are exalted forever. Thou, Lord, art most high forevermore. God is highly exalted above all of these things. These things of the world are the, the grass that gets our attention, but what should have our attention is the God who is most high. The wicked seem high, but they are then on the verge of being cast down. They cannot sustain that position. Verse 9. For surely your enemies, O Lord, surely your enemies will perish. All evildoers will be scattered. <laughs> surely your enemies, surely your enemies... Surely your enemies. <laughs> you see, it's like when the scriptures say something repeatedly, it's like, pay attention. <laughs> I want to get your attention. Surely your 
Got this? Wait, pay attention. Back up. Surely your enemies. What's going to happen to the enemies? It's the enemies of God. Those enemies that are against the things that are, are God's. This is the only, and, and this is the um, psalm of the Sabbath. And in the old, in, in generally whenever we're thinking of the Sabbath psalms, it is our rest in Christ from sin. Okay, Sabbath, the Sunday of the, you know, the resurrection was on the first day of the week, Sunday. That's why the church meets on Sunday instead of the Sabbath, Saturday. But we meet because this day symbolizes or speaks to us of, of, of our rest in Christ from sin. Christ rose from the dead. He forgives us of our sin. We rest in Jesus for what he has done. So the psalmist declares, all the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. They can't, they can't stay together. They, don't, they can't agree. Why? Because they, they, they can't trust one another. Verse 10. But you have exalted my horn like, the, like that of the wild ox. With fine oil I have been anointed. This was a, a kind of a difficult one to interpret. Uh, the, the ox is this, um, oh, it's an, a, an antelope, I think what we call it. It has those really long horns. Uh, you know, they just grow straight up. But the point is that when these animals are, oh, I want to say when they're fighting or whenever they're, they're um, comparing or looking at one another. It will lower its head. If you've ever seen them, you know, they, they wave their horns back and forth. You know, or the uh, buffalo, they, you know, they have this massive head and neck, and they, they wave their head back and forth. And this is, you have exalted my horn. It's like they are exalting what they have. And God is saying, I am exalting your horn. You don't have to go out and prove to everybody who you are. I am going to exalt your horn. And then the next one is, with fine oil I have been anointed, that the horn of those animals is quite large. And so when they take those horns, they hollow them out, and they use them as containers. And so the, the, the imagery here is whenever, whenever Saul was anointed by Samuel the prophet, Samuel went to Saul and anointed him with a vial of oil, okay? When Samuel went to David, he took the large horn and he just dumped it all over him. He saturated him. You see, we have been anointed, not with a trickle, but with a horn of oil, and the Spirit, and it speaks to us of the Spirit of God saturating, flowing down over our head and over and over David's beard and over his garments, that he was, he was saturated whenever he was anointed. Uh, he, and this is a, as he is a, a young boy at the first time, he doesn't have a beard, but later on, he, he was anointed a couple times for king. So, but this speaks about how that Samuel anointed him, and he was just uh, saturated all over with this oil. And it's telling him that with fine oil I have been anointed. Fine oil. Verse 11. My eyes see the downfall of mine enemies. 
My ear hears the wailing of the wicked foe. This is the only time this word is used in the Old Testament. The enemy is a liar in wait. Someone who watches to pounce on someone. The person who lies in wait. They are the ones that he is saying, I will see the downfall of mine enemies. I will see the downfall of those who have been hiding and waiting to pounce upon me. And my ears will hear the wailing of my wicked foes. My ears will hear them being caught in their own nets and in their own lies. But we won't be part of that. Verse 12. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. Did you know when we plant something around here, we always look at the soil. You know, what's the soil? What can the soil grow? Well, can you imagine a palm tree grows in the desert, grows in sand? There's nothing there. There's no soil, there's no nutrients, there's just sand. Well, what happens? How does the palm tree grow? The palm tree grows by a taproot. Now, if we look at our trees, they, the trees come down and their root systems go out, you know, big uh, pad, as it were, around the tree. A palm tree goes, taproot goes straight down. They don't have a lot of roots going out. They just have roots going down, straight down. So they can be as far down as it is tall. And it goes down to where it gets a water source. And the source of that water becomes its nourishment for it to grow. And so the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. Why? Because we are planted in God. We are planted in Christ. In our praise, true believers are ever refreshed as a palm in the Arabian desert. (laughs) It's interesting that the palm tree grows from the sand, and the sand is not its food. The water below feeds it. So we find that whenever we feel like life isn't going so good, and we, we have to look at where our strength comes from. My strength comes from, comes from the Lord. We see that jo- Joseph, whenever he was in Egypt, he was in the sand, he was away from his family. But in Egypt, he grew. We find where uh, Daniel, whenever he was in Babylon, taken out of his own country, taken away as a young man, 15, 17 years old, taken to a foreign country, what happened? He becomes second in command of Babylon. He becomes second in command of the Medo-Persian Empire. He is taken from his element, but his roots go deep in God and in his faith. Verse 13. The psalm, the, the, the psalm palm tree, excuse me, the palm tree is planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. It is thought that when Solomon built the temple, and you know, the, the large um, court outside of the the Holy of Holies, he planted palm trees. And this psalm is talking about the, 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 the palm trees planted in the courts of God. That whenever you are in this place where God is, 
We find that we are nourished. We are protected from the walls. We are nourished every day and taken care of every day by the Spirit and by the Word. Did you know that the, the Hindus reckon that the palm tree has 360 uses? A few are, it is a shadow, excuse me, it is a shadow, a shelter, gives shelter from the sun. Its fruits are refreshing to the weary travelers. It points out the place where water is in the desert. <laughs> Verse 14. The palm in the old age will bear fruit. Healthy and green they will remain. A palm tree produces fruit even to an old age. The best dates that come from palm trees come after they are 30 to 100 years old. They can produce up to 300 pounds of dates annually. So the Christian, it's us, the Christian grows and, and that they become more useful as we become older. Amen. <laughs> we become more useful as we grow older. Constancy, consistency is the ingredient that is in our hearts and lives. And we find that age makes other things decay, but it makes a Christian flourish. We are like the palm tree. That's what the psalmist is saying. You're like the palm tree. Isn't that good news, Ruth? Amen. Yeah. <laughs> it's good news. We grow. We're planted. We are deep-rooted. We are safe. Did you know a palm tree that they are... The structure in a, in a palm tree is totally different than our structure in a, in a maple tree. There are strands in this tree that will cause it to bend and stretch in a hurricane or a tornado or, anything, or a typhoon. But when the, when the storm has passed, it will return. <laughs> because it knows how to give in the storm and come back. Because its root, it is rooted deep and the storm cannot rip it out. It will just bend with the wind. So the age of other things decay, but the Christian flourishes. In the verse 15, the Lord is upright. In the storm, deep-rooted, strong, the Lord is upright. He is my rock, in him there is no unrighteousness. We find that in these verses coming up to here, flourishing. The righteous will flourish like the palm tree. They will flourish in the house of God. There's, there's only mention of growing and flourishing. Here, flourishing happens a number of times through this scripture. That we are like the palm tree. Flourishing. Flourishing. And it's growing and flourishing only like a tree, but like a palm tree. So, we find that... The psalmist is saying, you are like the palm tree, flourishing, growing, nurtured, deep-rooted, receiving your strength from God, growing in the desert where there is no soil. You're growing in a place where nothing else grows. We find that you, O oh Lord, are eternal forever. You are eternal. You are exalted forever. You, O oh God, are the one who I adore and I worship. Your enemies will perish. 
but I am anointed. Not only sprinkled, I am doused in the spirit, in the oil of God's gladness. I see the downfall of the wicked, but I also see how that you, O God, have promised me that the righteous will flourish. So you are my rock. And this rock does not mean um, you go out here and you get the backhoe and dig up a rock. It's like um, Yosemite and the, <laughs> the nose of the, the canyon. You know, that's a rock. <laughs> and that nose, that rock that is there, it's not going anywhere. God, you are my rock. You're not going anywhere. You cannot be moved. And there is no unrighteousness in you. And that's my rock. And God is saying, you are my palm tree. You are the one that I am exalting. You are the one that I am using. You are the one that your taproot is growing. You are the one that recognizes that I am your rock, your steadfast one, and nothing is going to change me. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. So God calls upon us to praise him, thank him for who he is, and what he has done and is doing for us. So what is your song? What is your song? Song that you would sing. I like this one. And uh, we're going to play it now. Shout to the Lord. Nothing compares to the promise I have in him. Amen? That's why we praise. I shout to the Lord. I declare to the Lord. I sing to the Lord. And when you're mad and upset, you can, you can yell at the Lord. <laughs> but you know, he'll hear you no matter what voice we have. And I was hearing the testimony of a, a young woman who said she was so distraught with life and she was just yelling at God. And she said, there was a great peace that came upon me because I was giving my frustrations to him and he heard me. Out of his, and I'm, this is my phrase now, out of his high and holy mountain, he looks and beholds each one of us. What hurts our heart hurts him. Amen? Thank you, Lord, for all the good things you have given us. Let us be worthy. <laughs> Let us be conscious of your goodness to us. Let us be thankful that nothing is impossible with you. And that, Lord, we can shout to the Lord for all the wonderful things that he has done for us. And, God, we thank you for hearing our prayer. Thank you for meeting the need that is in our life. Thank you, O oh God, for sustaining and strengthening and just blessing us, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. God bless you.